let's welcome to another episode of the She Reads of Life podcast. I am so happy to sit here with you and connect and to perch with you ladies one more time. Um, and today we have our special guest, Ms. Joyce Rose, who will be perching with us today. And Joyce is the epitome of the corporate entrepreneur. So yay, Joyce, thank you for joining us. First of all, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate you, um, you know, not just for the podcast, but you just at the So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, today we are going to have a few discussions. We're going to have a conversation about the journey in corporate America, but also being able to connect that journey with entrepreneurship. So ladies, it's 2024, you know, we, we had fun, we talked about some deep things and now it's start, it's time for us to start talking about business. Okay. So we're going to talk with Joyce. Um, just about her journey first to corporate America and those things that have allowed you to achieve the highest, highest wins, the highest rankings in corporate America first and your role in corporate America. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, right now I am an enterprise account executive for a small technology company. I've been in the tech field for over a decade. But as a career is concerned, I've been in sales for two decades. Um, so I've always kind of, you know, pushed myself into sales because to be honest with you, there's no other way for you to make a lot of money if you're not in sales, right? So you need to be selling to some sort of capacity mm-hmm. to make an exponential amount of money. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what does a woman in sales look like? What? What is the percentage like in the circles that you're in, like of just women in sales? Right. Um, so there there aren't a lot of women in sales in general. Okay. Right. Um, because most people look at being in sales as a very masculine thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about the technology sector, you know, um, when I first started off 10 years ago, there was a big push to get more women into sales. Okay. So you see more women in sales, but not as many, not as many as men, right? So okay. um, on my team, for example, um, I'm the only um, woman of color okay. on my team okay. um, in sales. And there's another woman as well, but that's, you know, out of a, a sales team of about 10, right? Okay. So um, still... We still have a lot to work to do to get more women in sales for sure. Okay. <laughs> so for your company, we're looking at about 20%. Yeah. 20% women. Yeah. And 10% African-American women. Right. Yeah. And I am almost certain that the larger the team gets, that percentage goes down. Even. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've been on teams where I was always just kind of the only one. Okay. Right. Um, throughout my career. Um, and it doesn't bother me like it used to. Um, you know, I've gotten really comfortable with it now. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I do understand that in these spaces, you're not going to find a lot of us in these spaces, right? There is a big push now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, especially with the, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, 
um, you know, push right after like 2020, especially right. around George Floyd, um, those right. sort of, you know, situations which are kind of microcosms of what's happening in the global world at large. Those those situations have pushed corporate America to say, hey, actually, what are we doing for Black America, right? How do we get more Black people in tech? And, you know, you did see a lot, a lot of tech companies kind of hiring more of us. Okay. Um, but now you're seeing the flip, right? A lot of us are being the first ones to get out of the door. Uh, okay. So um, very, very interesting times right now in technology. Because I also know that there's a great push to end DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion mm -hmm. in educational spaces, in corporate spaces, in any kind of space that they can pull DEI out of yeah. is yeah. happening. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's very true. Um, you know, there are a lot of companies that are still um, very much interested in um, helping to progress African-Americans within technology, mm -hmm. um, you know, but there are some companies who are kind of turning their back on those initiatives mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Now let's bring in the entrepreneur space into this DEI conversation um, or just even the social justice space in this conversation. What are some of your goals with women of color with DEI in corporate America? Yeah. I think ultimately I would love to see more of us, right? I think that, you know, um, you know, you bring in just bring, being a woman, right? Okay. Being a woman um, in all the facets of, you know, motherhood, whether you're a wife or, you know, just having those sort of perspectives at the table are very important. And then you layer it in with being African-American. Mm -hmm. um, that's a whole different experience that you bring to the table, right? Okay. So. I think it's important to have diversity of thought in these rooms. I mean, we're, if you're not at the table, right, to help bring a different perspective, mm -hmm. then how are you really going to get the change that you need? Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I think personally, that's one of the things that I would love to see a little bit more of is just, you know, black women in leadership mm -hmm. positions, not just, hey, you know, you are an individual contributor, but we need more, you know, Black um, women in leadership roles, especially in technology to kind of, um, you know, help make the changes that are needed and necessary. Okay. okay. And I know that you are now doing some corporate training on DEI for corporations. What does that look like? Yeah. What does the training look like for organizations? Yeah. So um, usually it's just me really having candid conversations about my experience. Okay. Um, you know, kind of coming through corporate America, sharing some of the learnings that I've learned over the past decade, um, what works generally, what doesn't work, some of the best practices. And then also just, um, you know, helping others that look like myself understand, hey, you know, I know exactly what you're feeling. I know about imposter syndrome. I've been there. You know, I've struggled with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know what it's like to try and build internal champions that don't look like you, right? Because you need internal champions at the executive level 
to be able to, you know, say your name in the rooms when you're not there and, you know, kind of give you give you some sort of recognition that you probably wouldn't get otherwise. Um, So trying to give people that look like me the tips so that they can succeed and thrive in these sort of environments. Mm -hmm. That's that's the goal of these sort of trainings. Okay. Um, how to navigate the world of technology when you look like me. So diversity, equity, and inclusion training is not just about training the organization just for more hiring and diversity and inclusion, but it's also training the employee to fulfill the space to their highest capacity. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because Typically, especially in like large corporations, they'll have these ERGs that... What's ERG? Please tell um, us what's ERG. So the term, I can't remember the actual um, acronym right now. Okay. But basically, it's like a group. Uh-huh. So you'll have uh, maybe a Latin American ERG. Okay. You may have a LGBTQ ERG. Okay. You may have an African American ERG. Mm-hmm. The purpose of those organizations within the company are mm-hmm. to help others um, or ha- are to help educate others, you know, and also to get allies within the organization to, you know, partner alongside of you for your mission. You're never going to really get anywhere by yourself. You need those allies that can help advocate for you and, you know, really champion again on your behalf for whatever's important to your you know, pause, so to say. So um, again, I think going back to D&I, D-E-N-I, organizations that are kind of, you know, that maybe don't have it um, or, you know, looking to get rid of it, those organizations are, you know, to me going to struggle with getting great African-American talent because how are how am I going to succeed if you don't you don't see me? Yes. Like how am I going to succeed if you don't have programs in place to make sure that I can, right? Um so I think it's very important and you know hopefully the conversation starts to shift. Um but right now it's very strange times for sure. And how does your company succeed if you don't have the fullness, if you don't have the magic, if you don't have the expertise? that I have, if you don't have the black thought, because you don't have black thought unless you have black thought. And it's not enough just to have black face. Right. No, not at all. And I think that's where, like, you know, I think that's, that's the missing piece sometimes. And I'll tell you why it's like, Hey, just because there's all black people in here, it doesn't mean that we all think the same either. Right. Right. Like that, that other person may be African, for example, right? And they may come in with a totally different perspective than maybe an African-American, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So it's having diversity in thought, period. Yes. Okay, like, it's not just having one Black person at the seat of the table. Right. You need different Black people at the seat of the table. Yeah. You need a woman. Mm-hmm. You need a male. You, you Like, my perspective as a black woman is going to be different than a man's perspective mm-hmm. as a black male in technology. Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, you can't have those conversations if you don't have 
those people at the table to have those conversations. And there's still necessity to bring diversity to the table. Absolutely. And the diversity that's at the table, we all have an equitable stake in the conversation. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's, you know, in that kind of falls on the organization mm-hmm. and their mission, right? Like what strategic objections, uh, objectives are that organization looking to achieve? Okay. Is diversity and inclusion important to that organization? Like when we, mm-hmm. as in, you know, people of color, women, whatever, when you're looking to align yourself with a technology company, mm-hmm. you need to go and look at their values, look at their mission, you know, make sure it's something that you align with before you go and work for that company, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. You're hitting on something right mm-hmm. now. So when a woman is looking to work in tech, and we're just talking about tech specifically, but yeah. this can be any other um, industry. What are they, what are some of the questions? that women can ask? That's a great question. Um, So when you're researching the company that you want to work with, right, Mm -hmm. it's almost like trying to find a car, okay? Okay. You might want an SUV or you might want a sedan. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be with a big, large tech company Mm -hmm. or do you want to be with a smaller um, boutique tech company, right? What what, what aligns best with you? Do you want to be I've worked at a very large company, um, IBM, and I was, I felt like just a number, right? And then, you know, you work at a, and I, you know, since then I've been working at very small to mid-sized technology companies. You get more visibility, but you do wear more hats because it's a smaller company and they may not have a lot of processes in place. So first, it's taking a step back and really trying to see, like, where do you really envision yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then... Um, one of the things that's important to me as I kind of research, um, any company that I want to work with is how are they performing in the marketplace? Right. Like not all technologies are equal. Right. (laughs) Um, you know, are you, you know, are they in the top quadrant of the uh, Gartner uh, magic quadrant or, are they, you know, a series A company, series B? Like all of those things really matter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where do you where do you kind of see yourself? Do you see yourself with this company three to five years, two to four? Okay. That those things should inform your decision mm-hmm. and where you go. Right. right. And then it's what type of technology, right? Okay. If Martech, you have big data, you have um, cybersecurity. There's so many different technologies out there. So you really have to figure out your, you know, what you want and then, you know, go and get it. Mm -hmm. There's so much, there's so much out here for everyone. Okay. Okay? There's, there's, there's really, um, you know, so many different flavors for everyone. The opportunities are endless. In this space and time, when it comes to technology, the opportunities are truly in though right that's definitely yeah how did you get tell me tell our listeners what is the role of an account executive what is that what is that role what are the responsibilities yeah so to be an enterprise a you don't just roll like you can't just walk into this um sort of um title without actually putting in the work so i didn't start off here okay 
I started off as a BDR, which is a business development rep. Um, and I was paired up with an enterprise account executive. And basically I was finding them appointments within their um, target accounts and I was setting up their appointments for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And for some people, they would look at that and say, well, I don't want to do that. But the fact of the matter is, is that any top enterprise account executive has also been a, a top BDR. Right. Okay. Because you're not going to wait for someone else to hand you a lead. You're going to go and find your own lead. Okay? okay. So you have to know how to strengthen that skill set of, you know, um, setting your own appointments. Okay. So, so listeners, are y'all hearing the entrepreneurial part come in now? It's coming <laughs> in. I, I see it creeping yeah. in. It's coming. Yeah. I, I see it creeping yeah. in. Um, the thing about it is that like. There are certain soft skills that you need to know, like you need to be personable, you need to have executive presence and all of those good things. But grit is something that you cannot teach someone. OK, some people have it and some people don't. Mm -hmm. So if I have a number like right now, you know, for example, if my quota is uh, one point five million dollars, that's what I'm that's what I'm committing to bring into the business. Mm -hmm. Right. If if I make that number or if I don't, it like it all falls on me. Okay. okay. So I cannot wait for anyone else to bring it to me. I have to go out there and get it. I have to find the creative ways of getting it. Even so. your own BDR. You can't wait on if you have one. No, I can't. Yeah. Like I do have a BDR mm -hmm. and she's phenomenal. But, you know, most of the key opportunities that I've closed in my career mm -hmm. have been ones that I went to go self-source. Okay. Um, so as an enterprise AE, you'd ask, you know, what, what does that look like? I'm basically working with fortune 500 companies and I'm trying to sell our software mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm primarily talking to uh, principal architects, um, data engineers, um, CTOs, mm -hmm. uh, CIOs, um, and she you called know. not a lot of letters, y'all. She's <laughs> talking to people in high places. That's all I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, <laughs> and um, you know, I'm working with my um, sales engineer to do, um, you know, POCs so that we can proof of concepts. And I, I need to like stop speaking in acronyms, actually. Um, so that, you know, we can show success, right. um, and that the technology actually works. And then, then my job is to move them towards closing this particular deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm working with procurement, um, you know, contracts, negotiations with legal. There are so many different key players in the sales cycle. And again, this isn't something that you just kind of roll over and say, oh, I'm just going to jump into enterprise sales tomorrow. Like, this is something that you kind of work up. So I started off as a BDR. Then I started selling SMB. Then SMB. I went to um, uh, small businesses. Okay. Then mm -hmm. I went to mid-market. And okay. then I went into enterprise um, sales. Um, and so my, I guess the gist of what I'm doing is selling software. And, um, you know, I'm responsible to bring the business a certain amount of revenue every year. All right. Question. In sales, you are selling software. Do you sell software first? Do you sell 
problems first? Mm. Do you sell Joyce first? <laughs> what are the good question? What's the order yeah. of your sales? What yeah. are you selling? That's a great question. I think it depends. And I'm going to okay. tell you why, right? If I meet someone at a networking event, mm -hmm. I'm selling myself, right? Because okay. they have no idea and they don't care about what software mm -hmm. I'm selling, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm just meeting them. And okay. so I'm having a casual conversation with them and they're getting to know me mm -hmm. and in building that trust. And they're going to inquire about what I do. And then from there, I've already built some sort of relationship and boom, I can sell my software. If I am um, speaking to a customer that has come to us, then I'm trying to sell based off of the pain or the problem that they're trying to solve, right? I still have to build trust and credibility, mm -hmm. but it's my job as a seller to figure out, okay, well, why did you come over to us? How did you hear about us? What is the challenge that you're you know, facing right now? How are you solving this problem today? Um, and so that's a different conversation. And then over time, they'll come to like Joyce, okay. right? Okay. Um, and I think the third layer, I can't remember the three pillars that you kind of, uh -huh. the software or the problem, the problem, so the software. yeah, the software. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not a believer that the software sells itself anymore. I think okay. there was a time where businesses would purchase software that way. But okay. nowadays what I'm finding is, um, you know, you have to build a relationship with your champion. Magic calling, y'all. <laughs> no worries. That magic is the only person who comes through through the podcast. They already know it. They already know it. That's so funny. Um, you have to build a relationship with your champion, right? Like you have to get that internal champion and that stakeholder at that company to basically sell on your behalf. Um, and so champion building to me is kind of one of the core pillars in selling software these I, days. You this is your second time talking about the champion. Yes, yes. What is the role of the champion? How do you get the champion? Because <laughs> I That's think good. we all need some champions yeah. in our life. And yeah. We're so individ individualistic that like, oh, I don't need anybody. I don't. I, I got mm -hmm. this. Yeah. So when I hear people say that they don't need anybody, red flag. Okay. okay. We all need somebody. Okay. okay. Um, and there's something that you can help me with and there's something that I can help you with. Um, I think there's an internal champion building that you have to do just working at a company. And what does that look like? That means that connecting yourself with maybe a skip line manager, not your, you know, uh, frontline manager, but the person above them. Okay. Um, you know, making sure that you have maybe a monthly cadence call with that individual just to check in and make sure that things are good because I've seen it. This is chess, not checkers. Okay. Sometimes the players get knocked off the board. So if one person leaves the organization and you don't have any other champions built, who else is going to, you know, go to bat for Deshonda? Right. 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 So you need people that will go to bat for you within the organization at, at all levels. Right. And in different parts of the organization. Okay. Um, Cause again, Roles get shuffled, okay? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and you just never know the person that you thought wasn't going to be a C-level whatever could be that person and, you know, 
a year, year and a half, and now you have to report to them. But if you didn't try and build some sort of relationship with them, they're, you know, they're not thinking about you. Okay. They're not trying to help you. So that's what I mean by building internal champions. When I speak of in a sales cycle, um, there's a sales methodology that I follow called MedPick. And in that med- spell, spell that? Um, M-E-D-I-P-I-C. Okay. Yes. Got it. Um, it's like metrics, economic buyer, et cetera. So it's a whole process that you follow. Okay. And, you know, if you don't have the green light on each of these processes, then you're probably not going to close the deal. Okay. When you're trying to sell, you know, a million dollars worth of software to like a Coca-Cola or something like that, these are not decisions that come quickly. Right. So you have to find the champion within Coca-Cola that's going to go and sell on your behalf Mm -hmm. to those key stakeholders Mm -hmm. within Coca-Cola and basically say why this particular technology is needed. Because you have to understand, I'm not the only person competing for that business, right? right? Right. It could be me and four other vendors competing for that particular business. Um, And so that's what I mean by, you know, getting a champion um, within the cell cycle. A med pick champion is a different sort of champion that I'm referring to mm-hmm. um, in the uh, buying process. And that's the person who's basically going to go and sell on your behalf. And you need to make sure that you're maintaining a good relationship with them throughout the cell cycle in order to get the deal done. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Man, so when you are in the entrepreneur space, yeah, when you are doing coaching on sales and you're doing executive and corporate coaching on sales you are taking this information to the owners or are are you training the sales team yeah so that's a great question so i do individual coaching so you know for example working with a rep right now out of arizona um she's an smb rep but she wants to get into enterprise sales and i'm helping her um, you know, kind of up level her skills to get to a point where her manager will see her as an enterprise rep and, you know, help promote her. Right. Okay. So we're working on, you know, deal structure, just a whole bunch of components through that particular process. When I'm working with a corporate client, um, it could be talking to a sales team um, about just best practices, or it could be talking to an ERG um, you know, for uh, women or ERG for African-Americans and then sharing my experience as a woman in sales or as a black person. So, so it just really depends on, you know, what, what that corporation needs. Mm-hmm. You know, none of us ended up in the space that we're in by happenstance, chance, there is something internally Something in the development, in the early childhood space, there's something in our upbringing that gives us the that we have. Yeah, it's, it's just something. Yeah, I've just I've seen it, um, and I know it exists. Where does the spirit of there's a spirit of um, that I get from you? This is the goal, and I'm gonna talk everybody in the coming. Yeah. Yeah. Where does that come from? Um, Where does that little Joyce Rose? Where does that? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, So just 
just for those of you who don't know, um, so my name is Joyce Rose. Rose was my mother's name, right? And as a little girl, my mother passed away when I was eight. Okay. So um, I think that that actually shaped me into the woman that I am today and just really propelled me to be very excellent, even at a very young age. Um, when I think about just the trajectory of my career and all the things that really could have stopped me, Mm -hmm. right. Especially when I faced some sort of adversity, um, and how I was able to overcome those Mm -hmm. things. I look at myself and I say, wow, what, what's really pushing, what, like, what really pushes you to, or motivates you in that fashion? And I really think it's because um, as a young girl, um, not having that mother there, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and having to advocate for yourself, okay, right, having to figure out ways to um, not be a burden to, you know, maybe other family members who are trying to step into the role, um, and how to, you know, having to figure out creative ways to get what you wanted okay. if you didn't have maybe the resources, mm-hmm. right, like. If I needed a hundred dollars for a field trip, it's okay. You know what? Instead of asking uncle for a hundred dollars, it's why don't I ask him for twenty and then ask five other people for twenty dollars, and I'll get I'll get the hundred dollars. It's as a little girl thinking along those lines, right? Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting when I look back and I'm like, wow. Um, again, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that way or had to think that way if I wasn't in that situation Mm -hmm. and it's no knock to my upbringing I think my parents when I say my parents my grandmother and my father did the best that they could Mm -hmm. um but you know every girl needs a mom right right and so now let's take that to you being a mom yeah you're a mom as well I am I am how has that shaped you being a mom yeah I think because I didn't have a mom when I became pregnant, all I wanted to do was be the best mom, right? And so I have really been very intentional on what type of experience I wanted my daughter to have, what type of exposure she she needed to have. And, you know, if you want to travel the world with a child, it requires money, Right. So as much as people say money isn't everything, it's like, well, you need money in order to have the option. Or you got to be real, real creative. Right. Like real, real creative (laughs) to make things happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. But money gives you more options. And so um, when I got pregnant at 20, it was something that clicked in my mind immediately. It was like, okay, you know what? Um, I wanted to go to law school at the time, but then I was like, you know, I need to make some money. I need to figure out a way to make some money. And that's how I got into sales. Okay. And I've been in sales ever since and I'll, I'll continue to be in sales for the rest of my life. Because we have young listeners. This is what she's free to fly. Yes. Truly, truly all about. At 20, what was your exposure to let you know that you needed to be in sales? So we had a college career fair at Florida State and um, in the career fair, you know, you had, you know, certain companies that, you know, would, you know, come out and try and recruit students. 
And so my very first company was a furniture company. And so coming out of college, um, the base salary was 60K, right? And then you can make whatever commissions on top of that, okay? So I was like, so if I hit my targets, I can make 150? Okay, well, that sounds like a great plan for me coming out of college. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, they're, they're and great. exactly. So, you know, because the other options at the time, especially when we when we got out of college in 2008, there was a recession, right? So people were scared. They just wanted to just kind of get any job that they could hold on to, mm-hmm. you know? So coming out of college, making 60 as a base salary and being able to make up to 150, um, I thought that was phenomenal. And and I worked very hard to make sure that I exceeded my goals. And that's when I knew, man, I'm really good at this. I can do this. Um, and so I've I've been in it ever since. And that's that's really where it comes from. You have no problem with execution. No problem with execution, but I also bet on myself. It's having that quiet confidence. Y'all don't hear that one, baby. It's having that quiet confidence to know, right. It's like you have that quiet confidence to know, all right, listen, I'm going to make this happen. You have to believe in yourself. Like that self-belief will propel you way more than anything else in life. Okay. And being very, also being very clear about what you want. What is it that you really want? Not what your mama said or your daddy said. Like, what is it that you really want? What kind of life do you really want? And then you, 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 you build your career around the life that you want. Not the other way around. I wanted this or that. You may not want this or that, but I know I wanted it. I want, you know, I wanted to have this and I don't want to name things because I don't want people to feel whatever, but. And then I went and I built the life around what I wanted. That's what I tell you. Mm-hmm. What kind of house do you want to live in? What kind of car do you want to drive? Right. What kind of church do you want to go to? What kind of friends do you want to have? What kind of trips do you want to right. take? Exactly. So your job needs to be able, your career, your life needs to be able to do those things. How many children do you want? Right. And do you not want to have children? Like, be very yes. clear on that, you know? And that also, if when you're clear about that, Everything else that comes to you, you'll be like, nah, that's not for me. If it doesn't fall in line with your vision of where you see yourself, right? It's like almost like doing a purpose exercise Mm -hmm. for yourself. Once you know your purpose, can't nobody pull you in other directions because you're very clear about what you want. When I hear people say, well, I don't know what I want to do. It's like, baby, you not knowing it's costing you. Okay. Okay. Say it again. You not knowing is costing you. Okay. So how can we help someone identify their purpose? Um, well, there are a few things. They have um they even have those tests that people can take, mm-hmm. you know, personality tests. They even gave us one in, in, in college and it helps you understand what sort of careers you should kind of fall into. But I think it's more of an introspection, right? It's literally getting with yourself and asking yourself the tough question. 
and perhaps maybe even working with a life coach, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There are some life coaches who specialize in that, that can help you get clearer on it. But that coach really can't tell you what you know what to do. Like, you can't tell me what I already know. Okay? Somebody can come and be like, Deshonda, you're supposed to be a pastor. Is that what the Lord told you? Right. Okay? Like, no one can. You have that internal compass, and you should be able to say yes, yes like a hardcore yes Mm -hmm. or an absolute no to things that don't align with you. And for people who don't know what they want to do, it it's going to, it's that, that sort of time costs you money. Like you need to get very clear on what you, what you want to do and what your purpose is. One thing I, I definitely realized about my, sometimes people think their purpose is what they're, the job they're supposed to have. And, um, when I released that and I got to the true purpose that God created me to was to give people the love of God. That is my purpose. As long as whatever I am doing allows me to give people the love of God, he will keep me. I will not lose. I will win. Yeah. Yeah. This is me giving people the love of God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and you're walking your purpose doing that right I think I think there was a time when I had asked you a question about your podcast and I was like well um you know how many people do you want to you know grow to he was like whoever's supposed to listen to it is supposed to listen to it right like there's a quiet confidence in saying that yeah because what I do is not um the number of listeners doesn't change what comes out of me and whatever gets up places in the chair and what comes out of you. Right, right. We cannot count one listener in this conversation. That's true. And not one listener in this conversation can determine our conversation. It's true. Yeah, very true. And so being completely independent of that and present in this mm. is the thing that matters the most. Yeah. And then when we choose to give it to the people, it then becomes theirs. Yeah. It becomes theirs for, yeah. you know, as long as it, they desire it. And I know, I don't care if this podcast episode airs today, it airs three months from now, 10 years from now, somebody may need this message. That yeah. is, I'm not thinking about today when I think about Jesus. I love it. And that's the truth of the matter because. You don't know who's going to run a, run across this five years from now. Because I didn't know about Dr. Miles Monroe until after he passed away. Okay. So all of the impact that he made while he was alive never touched me. Yes. But it wasn't until after he passed away. And then I started binge watching all of his sermons, his YouTube. And like, I'm, I was very touched and moved by his content. Yes. But I didn't know him. 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? And he is one so, of the most phenomenal. Exactly. So, you mm-hmm. know, when you're walking in your purpose, you shouldn't be attached to some sort of, you know, near-term goal. You don't know how this is going to affect the generations to come. Um, so, yeah, I commend you for that and not being attached to 
whatever it is that we get attached to in our own minds about what things should be. Yeah. What things should be is what they are. Yeah, and, for sure. And you have to move when the spirit moves you. I, I definitely move when the spirit moves Yeah. Um, I know we were working on this project um, yesterday and we were throwing out some names for something. But you know what? It was like, it gotta hit me in here first. Yeah. That's when God says, okay. Yeah. When it hits me in here, God says, okay. Mm-hmm. I yeah. And you threw out one name and you're like, that's it. That's it. Because it hit me. Yeah. Here. Yeah. But that is purpose. That's the conversation with God. And that's God, what is the purpose? Not God, where should I work at? Not God, right. what job should I have? Not yeah. God, what man should I marry? God, start with. Who am I first? Yeah. What is my purpose first? Yeah. And then those things, the children, the husband, the car, the house, the vacation, all of it should align with me. Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on with that. I think that, you know, even for myself, like I had, I have struggled with the fear of if, if this leaves, then I'm in a bad situation. If I lose the job or you know what I'm saying and it's like um I got to a place where we went to that conference thrive mm-hmm. right and he talked about your identity and your lie identity right and that was a very freeing conversation for me um and he again he's just doing his job up there and he didn't realize that he was freeing me in that moment so you just like you're doing your job right now you don't realize who you're praying, right? And um, for the listeners, the he is Dr. Darius Daniels, yes. Change Church. Yeah. That's the he she's talking about. <laughs> yes. Don't say, y'all. Yes. Okay. Um, actually, this was Myron Golden oh, Myron who Golden said the li- yeah, okay. the identity. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I was already struggling with some things that were going on, you know, um, you know, in my career. And I felt this weight kind of lifted off of me. And I was just like, okay, well, um, what do you really want to do? And that's how from there, the coaching, just things just started aligning themselves. And that's um, the night we met. it was, wow. it was the night we met. It really was. Um, and again, just the connections, because I don't think anything happens by coincidence. Right. The community that God has given me, right, for such a time as this, um, you know, meeting you, right, yeah. just all of those things, freedom. right, all of those things in a moment where I felt very scared, I felt very like, man, if I if I lose this, what am I going to do? And it was like, well, if you lose it, you lose it. But God, God can God can give you way more than what you expected, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah. And because that's your level of expectation, that's your, not only is it your level of expectation, but it's also your level of operation. Yeah. Yeah. Excellence. Yes. 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 It's true. I'm at a place right now in my life where, Honestly, if it goes, it goes. And that's a very freeing feeling to have. You cannot get attached to the car. You can't get attached to the house. You can't get attached to nothing. Really? Right. Okay. All of these things are fleeting. But you use 
to the information and the knowledge that you have gained on the journey. And you take that corporate joyous role, and you combine it with that entrepreneur joyous role, and you combine it with that sales experience, and you combine it with that, I know my mother has me back here, and you move forward and conquer. Girl. That's the definition. Girl. Of a successful, excellent entrepreneur. Yes. That is what you're trying to give your own client that you're yes. coaching and take that information and share it with the corporations. Like I have learned this on my journey and I operate in excellence at it. So I am going to share it with you yeah. so that you can take someone else. It's true. Cause coaching is very spiritual. Yeah. Okay. Coaching is very spiritual because you're aligning with someone's destiny. Okay. Um, and I've had a life coach before. I still have areas in which I get coaching, okay. right? Um, not necessarily life coaching, but like I'm working with a coach right now in a specific area because you can have a coach for anything. You know, I go to therapy, which is different from coaching. And, you know, that's a whole separate thread right there because people think therapy is coaching and it's not. Completely different. You we know? just had the therapist on. She aired last week. Yeah, okay. Years. Yeah. It's like therapy is going through your past, going through those childhood traumas, and then Coaching is literally helping you go from point A to point B in your future. Very different focus. So I, I firmly believe in coaching. But what I'm, as I'm, as I'm coming more into this role, right? Because I'm still corporate, still very much corporate. Um, but I have coaching clients, you know, that I see on the weekends. I'm realizing, man, you know, this is a pull on me, right? This is an energetic pull on me. Right. I can't really explain it, but, you know, I feel like I'm called to do this. Yeah. When, when you're coaching, I know when I'm coaching, I am giving up myself. Yeah. I am truly, truly taking me and pouring it into you. Yeah, exactly. I'm very yes. much invested in this individual's success. Yes. I'm very much invested in this individual winning, right? Um, so it is definitely a pull. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. Okay. Um, we're going to wrap here. Okay. Um, I think our listeners have definitely, definitely gotten some information that they need to get to that level of excellence and scale forward. What is one thing that you want to share to our listeners on something that will help them to become readable? I love that. Um, When you think about flying, you think about just letting go of any weight, right? Um, At least that's what I think about. So I would tell your listeners that are listening, hey, let go, let go, literally just let go. Um, A lot of that stuff holds us down and um, doesn't give us the ability to really thrive in freedom. And a lot of what we are doing along this journey is letting go. Like a lot of life is letting go. Like I heard somebody say um, years ago that parenting is an 18 year journey of learning to let go. And that always stuck out with me because I was like, huh? Then it dawned on me. It was like, absolutely it. 
because you have to learn how to let go. So for the free to fly fam, just let go. The quicker you can get to a place where you surrender, the quicker you can get to a place where you can fly. The quicker you get to the place of surrendering, the quicker you get to the place that you can fly. Yeah. There's joy so. <laughs> Yes, yes, I love it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Thank well, you. Well, I tell you, listeners, you know, I, 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 you can find them. Do you want to share your socials? Yeah. So they can uh, connect with me on Instagram at I am Coach Joyce Rose. Um, I'm also on YouTube as uh, Coach Joyce Rose, Facebook as Coach Joyce Rose, and my website is um coach joyce well you heard it here listeners um reach out to coach joyce rose if you are looking into those areas of dei or sales um coaching services but you can find the sheet free to fly podcast on apple spotify youtube she's free to fly podcast on youtube um and i want all of our listeners, even myself, to sit back and take the time to reflect on this question. What do I need to let go? Mm, that's good. I love it. What do I need to let go? And it was so ironic as I was listening to you say that because earlier today, I had the image of the bird with the weights strapped over mm. wow holding it down and it was like you gotta release it in good. order to fly high that is good yes um absolutely and we'll also be having for our new she's three to fly members private conversation with joy yeah um and so look out for the membership that is upcoming it'll soon be released and I will end. I pray you receive my love. I pray you feel God's grace. And I pray that you share with us.